Hello, welcome to this edition of Engage Podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Jamie. And in this edition, we're doing the fiendishly fun Frangies. Yes, Frangies. Fun- I don't know why I put an S on then. Frangies. Well, they are all fiendishly fun Frangies. So, yeah, so this is obviously going to be uh, part one of definitely two, maybe three. Because there is a lot here. There's a good, I'd say... 50. Huh? 50. Pages of notes. Yeah, because if you remember, I keep mentioning this, I did my NXO1 research and my Ferengi back-to-back, and it worked out to be about 90 pages, 40 of which were Enterprise. The other 50 were this lovely pile of Ferengi notes, Um, which actually, in terms of Marimarifa, are actually pretty interesting. Usually... We we spoke about this last few times. Well, normally it's either it's either they they add stuff that you just no one cares about, or the the structure of it is just a bit chaotic. But this time, it's actually they the 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 way the Ferengi notes are structured are actually done pretty damn well. There's actually a few nice tidbits that you don't know about. Hmm. Um, so we'll start where we traditionally do with the summary on the Ferengi. Memory of page. The Ferengi were a warp capable humanoid species from the planet Frangana. Ferengi civilization was built on a free enterprise where uh, earning profit was the sole meaningful goal in life. Superseded by all other ventures. I'm not going to avoid that because that causes problems. Uh, despite their misogynistic views, small satch, and lack of shame, and extreme obsession with profit, the Ferengi are one of the most underestimated species in all of the Earth quadrant. They're usually ex- extremely intelligent, can possess great cunning, and cannot sometimes hide their fact uh, very cunningly. Uh, they can also possess a great aptitude for economic sciences and engineering. They are among the best negotiators in the galaxy in regards to earning profits and dealing deals without resorting to armed conflict. Yeah, Which I think it's a pretty good summary. Mm. Uh, I for all those interested, the bit that I skipped over was because it's a little bit convoluted. Is the species they're known as the Borg designation because we've gone down that route before and it doesn't don't make no sense. No, so I went over that because <laughs> oddly enough, I love it actually. In my notes, I didn't underline it myself. <laughs> So, yeah, this is going to be an awful lot of us with a pencil writing down what we've done. Yeah. Um, what I wanted, because we spoke about this before we got going, what we want to do in this one. And as it says, like, they're known as profiteers, aren't they? Yeah. That's what they're known as. That but wasn't the, always the no, case. One of the things I noticed straight away from it is if you go through the notes, it doesn't come often, but it's very interesting. But it says... Uh, there was a time in their history before the founding of the Ferengi Alliance that uh, the Ferengi were an extremely generous people who were not greedy. Um, there's, there's more, but notes yeah. are plenty. Yeah, these, these, are, these are notes that I, I, I must confess I honestly forgot about. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it, Jamie. Well, I did, so there you go. <laughs> it's fine. Um, is it pretty much the same? Yeah. Um, Ferengi history reached back at least 10,000 years, which was the time span needed to establish Ferengi lights. The governing body of the Ferengi 
By the 24th century, there was a time, however, when the friendly acquired uh, nature was so pronounced and was less adver. Ad- I said that min- I said that ten minutes ago, didn't I? Ad- yeah. ad- 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 adversarial, less adversarial. A time, in fact, when the friendly were not greedy but were extremely generous, mm. which is very strange. And I think it also goes into how the Fringy acquired warp drive, because that's a little bit interesting in its own right. Well, the other thing as well that you you mentioned was the day was their currency always the same as it is now, which is gold pressed latinum, or did they have a different currency before the Ferengi Alliance was formed? Which I thought was a really interesting point. I mean, for me, for me, this whole thing of how they changed is well, what caused that change? Their biology. It's it's something that Aaron Eisenberg. I think it's somewhere in here. God knows where. God knows where because it's horrible trying to find notes in this. It's it's lovely. It's lovely. No, I'm not complaining that way. But trying to find anything of in particular, you have to have it so well labelled. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The fact it's the fact that their biology is, as it said in it, you know, like. Uh, what is it? Um, small, uh, small in stature. You know, kind of lack of shame. Like, the, like they're not very tall. They're not very well built. Mm. The their body shape is all very thin guy. Not very muscular. So, what do you go into? Well, I don't know we'll go into money. Well, yeah, but weren't they always even before the Faringa Lights? Weren't they always in? Weren't they always economists anyway? No, it, 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 yeah, that's where it gets a bit. And the thing is, there's not much history on it. Uh, at yeah, all. and the thing is as well is, did the Ferengi look change that much? I mean, would they, they always look how they look? Did they always look how they look? How we how they look now? What we see them as? Yeah, I pretty think so. Because I think all that rain on Ferengi now. Hmm. So yeah, I think they always would have been. So, I don't quite know why on that planet you'd need big ears, but maybe predators. Yeah, but something happened that made them, as you say, made them, as I said, very generous. That made and and made them change into being. I said. I think it was warp drive. Yeah. Because again, it's the whole history of how the hell they acquired warp drive, which is also a bit complicated. Compared to human history, the Ferengi developed many features of a modern economy earlier, already having currency, banking, speculative investments, and a unified global economy by around 2700 BC. An important event of early Ferengi history was creation of the rules of acquisition by the first Grand Nagus Glint. Oh yeah, that's where your theory comes in about that he was the one that acquired I think, because again, it's they didn't invent it, they bought warp drive from a alien species. And you think Glint was the one that done this? Well, it does make sense that they would have acquired well, did it. did he buy it? Because <laughs> that's the issue. It says kind of acquired or bought. But you can look at that as in, was it, like a, was it like an honest transaction or was it a case of... But if he did acquire it by whatever magical means, with whatever they were using isn't there a good chance that because of getting warp drive 
same sort of parallels with Zephyrin Cochrane on Earth, hmm. where that transformed the planet the same way this did it. Oh, did you hear about that guy that got this, got this fast and light travel? Are you thinking that maybe... He became a god. He became the same, because it's a bit like we can go out there and we can make profit from other planets. And maybe that kind of... And, oh, we must listen to his rules. We must listen to his rules. He must know... Do you think it's a case of, like, power corrupts absolutely? worship. Yeah, do you think it's also a case of power corrupts absolutely kind of concept as well, maybe? As you say... You know, they've gone out, they've now got this opportunity to, as you say, expand, you know, as I said, with other species. But what else are they going to, what else can they do? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not disputing what they've done, I'm just saying, I'm just trying to... No, I mean, like, because I say I'm talking about their, like, biology. Right, okay. You're limited with how much firepower you can do. You're not really going to form a formidable army. You're an already did Jemadar, are you? No. You're not... Logical, like Vulcans, hmm. you're not the kind of all rounders that humans are always portrayed as. So, what are you going to do? What are you going to go into? I oh, know we're going to finance, we're going to flogging stuff, we're going hmm. to trade because that's what we can do, yeah, without is, getting into trouble. Which is fine, but obviously, what I'm the point I'm making is what changed them from being, as you said, generous to being to being greedy. I think it was Glenn. Do so you think he kind of... I think he was a bit of a Dale boy. Yeah. And then, because Star Trek is made up of monocultures, I think every episode we've ever done on this thing has shown that, if anything, Star Trek loves a monoculture. Hmm. The thing is a monoculture. Hmm. He was the kind of... Because um, that's the, the, the other... He was the blueprint, and then it fell from there, and it's always stuck, and then that's why it's a bit like it evolved. Because the other thing as well is, I mean, before before he acquired warp drive, I mean, did the Ferengi have much contact with other species, or was it just solely? Well, that's the thing. Uh, oh, I need to find where it mentions how he came across it. But that could be that could take forever. <laughs> um, that could be anywhere. No, because I mean, did they? Because they said. Because did they always just stick to their own planet? I mean, were these were they just gen? Were they, in terms of being generous, was it just on their own planet within within their people? I that's how I understand it. Hmm. That's how I kind of was reading it in my head. Because there's not much to really say about it. There's not really much to go into depth. A kind of this happened at this time. Hmm. Because that's the thing that interests me most. What changed them from being from being like this to going like this? That's a really interesting thing. Is this it? But you found it? Look over this, I think this might be it. The rules of acquisition were the sacred pre preceits upon Precepts, which yeah. all free society was based. They were first written by Glyn, the first Grand Nagus in the mid twenty second century, which would add up with what when it got um formed the lines. I think, didn't it say? There were 150 rules, and by the 24th century, there were 285. Mm. In theory, every Fringa business transaction is governed by these rules to ensure a fair and honest deal for all parties concerned. Glint's lifetime, or when the rules of action, or rather, rules of acquisition were first created, was never mentioned on the screen. However, in Little Green Men, it states that it took 10,000 years to establish the Fringa Alliance, 
which might imply uh, Glint lived circa 8000 BC if he is considered a founder of the Alliance. Well, if you think about it, if the Fringy Alliance is effectively the kind of trade of... Hmm. So even in 2000, 2000, 2700 BC, they'd already established themselves as an economic society that was based on, as you say, finances. And if you go and buy that, he'd come along for, what, another 5,000 years? I get confused with BC and AD. Yeah. So... I think I think you know it's difficult to obviously really be able to. All we can do really is speculate, but I, but what you're saying, Si, about what what that change was, right? <clears throat> what that change was, what made them from being generous to greedy? I think Glint was definitely a part of that. I reckon he was a devil boy. Yeah, that, that's that's the impression I get from yeah. him. As you say, particularly if he's the one that created the rules of acquisition, that was the precepts. And heavens, if you're the, you know, if you're the Satan, you can make up whatever story you like. You know, it's the whole fact is stranger than fiction. It's all that sort of thing. And, you know, the victor always wins. You know, the whole um, Garron during mm. the Klingon Civil War. So he could say he bought it, when in fact you could quite easily steal it and just say yeah I bought it but you can understand why they would revere him because if they never had warp drive I mean maybe that's when the Ferengi again, again that's where you get the whole Zephyr Cochrane the whole yeah. glint thing of oh this opens up options oh we can make money from these idiots they don't know what we're like and that's when also you've got to say he also had a spiritual influence because he was the first Grand Nagus that con- that concept maybe had never existed in Ferengalar before What's the Grand Lake? It's probably that's not a concept that maybe ever really existed. Or, may, or maybe, you, you Does know. it go even further? Because do you think, if they were generous, if they weren't like this before he came, if he came along, this Del Boy sort of figure, because you can imagine this is properly actually Del Boy from Only Fools, or Only Fools and Horses, just just so people know what I'm on about. Because there might there will be a few out there that don't know who Del Boy is. But it, think of it this way. Because it gets even scarier. And in some ways we have actually had people that in real life that have kind of gone, I'll say delusional this, but like, no, I'm I'm amazing. A certain Donald Trump. Hmm. If you think about it, I think he also set up their religion. What was Clint did? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So the whole, what is it, the grand... Um, oh, what do they call the damn guy? Somewhere in here. <laughs> Flicking through pages. Um, let's see. Oh, the Great River of the Continuum. Yeah, and the... the what the, was the god called? Uh, oh, the Blessed Executure. Yeah, Blessed Executure. Divine Checker. Treasury. Yeah. Sister auctioneers, like, come on! If you're Del Boy, like, aren't you going to sit there and go, come up with what was it, 175 rules yeah. of acquisition? Surely then you're also going to go, mm. yes, follow my, follow my. And that's the thing. Someone like Glyn, if he was, as you said, if he was like that, and he was, as you say, you know, he, you know, one person can easily influence a society, a whole thinking, even that. Even something that had been existed for thousands of years already. 
I mean, it wouldn't have happened overnight, as you well, say. Well, think of it. If you're on this backward, peaceful Fringinar, backward world in the middle of nowhere, haven't seen anyone, you know, kind of this small planet, this wet planet, everyone, I imagine from that, like, everyone's always generous because it's a bit like it's wet and damp. But they've, but warp drive, you get warp core, you get, you know, think about what it did to Earth. Completely changed the planet. Can you imagine the same with that? Where it's a bit like, oh, we've got, we've got heaters and dryers everywhere. Really. I mean, obviously, the thing is, you know, from our perspective, we would look at that change of the Ferengi being generous to greedy. We would probably look at it in a more negative way. But from their point of view, but he spun it in a way where it's positive. Yeah, but from their point of view, it wouldn't be seen as that, and it just stuck. Yeah, it'd be like, well, this is working. Well, but you know, it's. I think, in a way, Ferengi society is riddled with interesting contradictions. Yes, and that, the, the main one is that horrible thing about women. Yes. Like, that's something I didn't get in the notes, where it's a bit like, they were so proud they didn't have A, B, C, and you're going, yeah, don't worry about the women. Like, don't worry about that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know... You... And they'd give the Federation a hard time, and you're just going, what, seriously? Like, it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, no, it's like, you know, you've got... You've got as I said, you've got this society that has avoided conflict through negotiation, but it's like, yeah, yeah you're deeply misog- misogynistic. Yeah, it's all it's very 19th century, isn't it? It's yeah. all very kind of... It, I think it's very akin to actually Kronos, Klingons. It's a very similar attitude to kind of... Think about it. The only women you actually see with a bit of authority are the Jurassists who have kind of punched their way into... Severe influence. The rest of them are seen but not heard. Mm, I'm not sure I entirely 100% agree with that. It's the same. Well, obviously, wasn't... But then again, I suppose you could... I'm sorry, I'm thinking of uh, Kayla, Wolf's um, mate. Doesn't kind of count. Because she was part... You mean because she was working with the Fed... But she was like... She's part human, part Klingon. Doesn't quite count. But if you're in Kronos, you're seen but not heard, you're at home looking after the children. I'm just trying to think throughout the whole whole run of Star Trek. Like like even like on the um on the Klingon Council, I mean, did you even have women sit on the Klingon Council or was it all men? I say the only ones you see are the Jura sisters. Hmm. Yeah. So it is very similar. How many women do you really see? And if you think as well, with um, you even think oh, again, it's the Klingon class, but it's effectively the same thing. You have businessmen, but you have warriors. Yeah. It's got, the same thing. Well, it's like the House of Quark, where um, what's her name? She marries. I mean, she does actually have to run her own house, but even then, that was an unusual circumstance that Garon allowed. But it wasn't common practice, was it? Yeah, I can kind of see the parallels there. Yeah, I, mean, I think you're probably in a much more subtle way. But, yeah, well, yeah, I'll give you. I'm, I'm not going to doubt that, but mm. it's it does stand. You do sit there and go, mm. "Ooh, okay." And but I, yeah, the Ferengi. It, it does sort of stem to most of them, like Cardassia, similar, mm. Romulus, similar, 
Uh, oh, Romulus slightly less because you do have the um, yeah female Kashar and yeah you do have female c- commanders yeah, and that yeah Kronos and Frangula mm. it's a bit like okay um, yeah I mean for, I see they didn't they didn't get the suffragette suffragette movement at all did they no but <laughs> but the thing was Klingon women were allowed to be warriors so I don't think it was as as prominent definitely was nowhere near as prominent it, in a way yes in maybe more subtle ways yeah but I I understand the parallel I'll get the parallel you're going for okay, are you going to read out the um, biology do you haven't read anything out yet really yeah are we starting we're going back to that yeah yeah okay um, unless you want to talk about that a bit more the women well we can go into that a bit more later I don't mind I just thought we haven't gone over the basics yeah yeah we'll go back to we'll come back to the because um, that's one part that's of, I mean, minefield what the the role of women in yeah. Frangus society yeah, it is but I think it's it's important to talk about because that is a big part of their society um, yeah so biology um, on average Ferengi were shorter than humans externally they had orange brown coloured skin blue fingernails and long blue toenails enlarged skulls wrinkled noses and sharp teeth um, internally they had ascending ribs and upper and lower lungs as well as an unusual four lobe brain that could be, not be read by telepathic species such as betazoids so from these kind of notes I think you know you get the co- so I think really for them being great negotiators is a combo of their own skills and their biology yeah particularly obviously with their obviously with their lobe brains they couldn't be read by telepathic species when in negotiations that is going to be I mean that's just I'm trying to think of the right word. That's um, that just gives them a huge advantage, absolutely huge advantage. Um, Lobes. Uh, here we go. It's, uh, the most. Oh yeah, the Fringe's most distinguishing features were their larger, uh, larger outer ears called lobes, which gave them extremely acute hearing, sensitive enough to tell a person's species and gender even through electronic distortion. Um, atmospheric altitude. altitude changes and the decibel level of a sound the lobes of the Ferengi males were larger than those of females that's something I want to actually talk about a bit later when we're talking about the role of women in Ferengi society because I think I think that's an interesting uh, tidbit um, the sens- sensitivity of the ears while providing great sen- sensual pleasure also make them vulnerable to pain and other problems including severe infections of the tympanic membrane which if left untreated could become fatal yeah, that that technical bubble was really important, Jamie. It wasn't, but I wanted to sound smart. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a typical case of it wasn't much important to me, but I was love it when Jamie wants to read stuff out like that. And I'm going, okay, it wasn't a thing for me, but fair enough. Fringy's ears were partially made of bone, uh, unlike other species where the ear are largely composed of cartilage and skin. The term lobing was used to refer to a young Ferengi. Uh, Ferengi lobes were also said to tingle whenever the Ferengi sensed an opportunity for profit or was sexually aroused, because, you know. Ferengi blood pressure was much higher than that of humans. Um, you know, which you've got to think as well, particularly if negotiations aren't going well. I mean, not good for your health, is it? When Nog, Rom and Quark were sent back to 1947 and analysed by human doctors, one of the medics commented on Quark's blood pressure. 250 over 167. If you were human, I'd say you were due for a heart attack. Fringy blood was yellow in colour and contained cells called 
pyroclates. You see, even their even their um, biology is a contradiction because, as you said, they've got high. As I said, they're sensitive. Like they, there is a sensitive, but didn't you say they've got a like, great eyesight? Is it great eyesight they got? Or am I getting them mixed up? I didn't say any of that. Well, uh, anyway, yeah, but you know, you've got things like that, and obviously, you know. They've got high blood pressure, but they've also got a rather they've got a really strong immune system. Yeah. So as you say. Um anything else you want to read out about that? Just a few other two bits. Frangu were known to have lifespans that could exceed one hundred years. When started frightened or in pain, Frangu often emitted high pitched scream. Some Frangu demonstrated a hissing reaction yeah. when threatened or in distress. A friendly diet mostly consisted of insects and other vertebrates like crabs or slugs. They also ate fish. Dog's favourite earth food was said to be squid. And I mentioned this to Jamie. They have this odd fascination with lazy Susans, which I don't get either. Yeah. Don't get it. It's just, it's just an odd bit, but when it comes up with food, it's like weird fascination with lazy Susans. But, but that's the thing about them. Things like their diet, eating bugs, and like their world being constantly wet, it makes sense for them. I don't know why, it just it, it fits them as a species. So even even like little things like that, like what's the weather like on their world or what their diet is, it just really works into creating them, you know, just makes them a more of a rich and interesting culture. Can I do a um, spontaneous pin-up date? Yeah, of course you can. For a change in the books, rather than hearing the same two pins over and over again, I'm actually wearing my fan sets. Quark, what we left behind um, pin. Yeah. And may I say, the level of detail on it is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's really cool. Mm. Nice change to <laughs> wear something else. Thank you again, fan sets. Yeah, one of the perks I got way back when. Mm. And... Voyager, they came up with another set of pins, and I think it's the largest set they've ever done. They've done like three sets because so I think with Deep Space Nine they did two. How was getting that pin on? Because I remember last time, you know, last, easy, yeah. Was it was it LXO one? You had really trouble trying to get it on. Or was it getting it off? I can't remember. Easy, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a really cool pin. It's got a really nice weight to it. It's really quite a thick pin. Good. So yeah, it's just a random pin up there because I am still doing it. I haven't forgotten. But yeah, where do you want our next show, mate? Because there's so much. You aren't you desperate to talk about makeup? Get that out of the way because it's here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, maybe a bit. Of that. I was also thinking about the role of women as well, not like extensively, but maybe we could talk a bit more about that as well. You start because I'm going to have to try and dig it out. Role of women. It should be after the cultural development notes. Absolutely. If that's yeah, I might point out as well. I was jokingly said to Joe, my I pay um staple all my notes and the friendly notes are so big that I've lost the last two pages of those notes because it was too big it's, it's a lot of paperwork yeah, you, start, yep. you start saying um, and I'll find it mm, I found it Ferengi <laughs> society and culture was highly misogynistic and patriarchal as such laws and cultural norms reflected and deeply institutionalised such misogyny and discrimination Ferengi women were referred to as females. They were barred from most aspects of society, such as not being allowed to earn profit or to travel. Neither were they allowed to learn how to read. 
They were not even allowed to wear clothes and were expected to be undressed at all times to the point where while the Ferengi male would consider clothed alien women to be normal, the thought of their own mother wearing clothes would make them uncomfortable. Um, thinking about things as Quark once put it was neither something expected nor desired of females, neither was having opinions or political views. They further were not allowed to have any claim to the estate of a husband should the marriage end, as all females were generally required to sign a waiver of property and profit, giving up any such claim. So, yeah, I just I just find it in, intriguing that the fact that, you know, on the one hand, there's this society that they say that, oh, yes, we've avoided interstellar wars and kind of slavery. It's like, yeah, you're literally, your women are literally slaves. Literally. So just very interesting contradictions. And, you know, the thing is as well is, you know, it says, oh, they were not allowed to do this, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. So do we think that, I mean, obviously, you know, an example would be the very first one we know of would be uh, Pell from season two, wouldn't it? You know, she was one of the first females that had to hide it, but she she wore clothes and she earned profit. Yeah, I'm listening. So, I'm just you know, find but did other Ferengi uh, women do that as well? Yeah. You reckon it was a Probably not, not that many, but I couldn't imagine all of them just, you know, docilely following this, as you know. But, yeah, I just... But even the way um, that changed throughout the series... You know, so by the end of kind of season season seven, Ferengi women were because I don't want to call them females because I think that kind of that's meant to be a kind of offensive term of why the Ferengi referred to them like that. So Ferengi women, you know, um, were allowed to, as you said, wear clothes, allowed to probably read, travel, earn profit, and effectively they became, you know, what what humanity, you know, kind of was in 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 the twentieth century. Or even more towards what the humanity was now in the twenty fourth century. So, yeah, I just I think it's just really interesting seeing that, and obviously a large part of that influence was Ishka. So obviously Quark's mother, um, and as you kind of I think you said to me, didn't you? you said Pell as well was a huge influence. Um, I'm trying to find the notes. If I'm yeah. honest, that's why I'm trying that's to right. do it while you're talking. Um. But it's too big that I can't find it. It's alright. Needle haystack comes to mind. But um yeah, I mean there's the other thing as well, it says here in the notes, by the late twenty-fourth century, females made up fifty-three point five percent of the Ferengi population. And some Ferengi began to realise the exclusion of women from business represented a significant loss of profit opportunities right there on their own homeworld. You know, because that's the thing about the Ferengi. Their sole purpose is to acquire profit, as much profit as they can. Well, if you've got half of your population that you're deeming they're not allowed to earn profit, that women are not allowed to earn profit, then surely that's a huge loss. I think this is what I was looking for. It's skipping a bit, but it talks about what you're talking about. That doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I'm assuming once reckoned that instead of Zek ultimately continuing as Grand Nagus, he... Himself would have had either Ishka or Brunt assume that role at the end of DS9. RSA and Burr dismissed the notion of Quark becoming the new Nagus, or Zek continuing to hold that title, which led to Ron being appointed as Grand Nagus in Dog Dogs of War. 
Bear stated, we had to figure out what would have had to have happened to Frangicide that would enable Rom to become Nagus. Oh, I can never say his name. Uh, Rene Ichevaria. Reason to some extent, we laid out some pipe pipe in that direction with Moogie's influence on the Nagus. The audience had to accept the leap that Moogie had accomplished females, so we figured they'd be able to make this leap. Ah, you see? Now, as you're reading that out, because um, we discussed this a bit earlier, and I know it's not something we want to really go into too much because it's it is a minefield. Yeah, it's that that episode, guys. We're going into that episode. Cause... Yes. Um, because another page. I'm losing pages. You're losing pages because obviously that episode about the equal rights thing for Ferengi women is absolutely fine. It's just the way they went about it. And playing it for laughs, which is obviously is just. You might want to mention which one. Uh, Profit and lace. Riddles, Profit yeah. and lace. Um, but me and Sam will talk about. There's it. an easy way out. There's yeah. an easy route they could and should have gone, which would have worked perfectly. And you've got a much deeper episode, and you wouldn't have offended anyone. We wouldn't have that god awful uh, lumber. Yeah. That wouldn't have been a thing. No. It would have been just an episode where you go. That was cool. As I've said to Jamie, man, didn't I come up with it? You did. That's yeah. why I'm letting you run with this. Okay, so you're trying to promote women, female, fringy women, right? Yeah. Well, Surely the brightest thing you do is you bring back Pell from Fringinar. Yeah, from Rules of Acquisition season two. Bring her in and go. Here's a really. A really good example of a fringy female who knows her way around business. Yeah. That would have solved the issue. No problem. No sex change. None of this. None of yeah. that crap that we got with it. Yeah. Then you also have the subtext of her and Quark getting back together and whether the... the uh, will they, won't they? Yeah. And could that... In the fact that they actually could do that mm. now. And then you... By that point, you could actually have... You know, you've got Rom with Lita and then you could have Peril with Quark. And I think that would have been such a nice thing where they're both happy. Quark's not so fussed about not being around Nagus. He's got his girl. Yeah, I think that would have worked a lot better. And actually, something else I thought of, although maybe it would have been... Maybe it would have been a bit of a too quick a thing, maybe. But, I mean, I don't know. If there was ever another season of DS9, which obviously there ever won't be. But the thing that came to mind with me... Or I was thinking, what about a female Grand Nagus? Pell. I mean, maybe not in the episode, because it might have been a bit... This is where it came from. This is where, you know that blurb that I told you? Yeah. This is where it comes from. Because of the long-standing ban on acquisition of profits by, pe- by females, any female wishing to engage in commerce had to either bury evidence of her involvement in a transaction or appear as male. Nice to be Pell. Not only altered the manner of her attire, but also disguised her breasts the size of her lobes in order to be included in Quark's financial decision-making. Using this disguise appearance, she was involved in the first recorded business transaction between Alpha and Gam Quadrants. A contract would, uh, would likely have not have been concluded without her input, making it, at the time, the most significant financial achievement by a Ferengi female. Yeah. A skill in successfully negotiating the contract between the Ferengi and the Karna later had a profound impact on the inquiry Alpha Quadrant. Which thereafter fundamentally altered nature of Frankie's, so, um, yeah. 
Frankie Society after Grand Angus attempted to give uh, women the right to wear clothes. He was immediately displaced from power. While there, Zack tried to convince top Frankie businessmen to join him for a conference to demonstrate the intelligence of women using Isha as his exemplar. Uh, I'm not going to go into that because that's not what I want to mention. No. Um, but, you know, it just seems to me like, you know... That- oh, there we go. Yeah, there's a certain point where I cut it off and went, so good for influencing Nova's to call for and get the reinstatement of Zach as Nega's sex uh, women's rights agenda therefore continued. By 2383, at least one female Frankie Nandy held the rank, rank of Damon. For us, Profit and Lace, that episode is a missed opportunity. You had you said it had Pell. It's um, it's Code of Honor levels of yeah. screwing up. But in this case, it's it's not racism; it's sexism. Mm. Yeah. So, well, it's yeah, it's transgenders and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's not great. You know, that, so, that that would have been the best, easiest way. I because th- Pell was such a great character. Yeah. I mean, and you could even have it. I mean, maybe not in that episode because it probably. But I said season seven. I don't know. This was wait, Profit and Lace was that six or seven? Season six, wasn't it? Six, I think. Yeah. And you see, that that's the other thing. I think having her pale as a female or a female Grand Nagus, I think that would have been really interesting. I think again, that's that that they could. I think that's another trick they maybe missed at the end of season seven. Rom, don't get me wrong. Rom is fine. Too early, I think they would have said. Mm. Still too early, which is a shame, but I, I'm not sure I would go with it. Some woman that's been on screen for two episodes, yeah. rather than having Rom on yeah. there, it's been on majority of them. Yeah. I'd, but, rather, I'd rather have Rom, because as Zek says, he's the one that's changed. He's more of a modern Frangie than yeah. any of them. Yeah. Mm. He's the future, and sure, I think eventually you would probably get a female or a woman... Grand Nagus, hmm. but not then because of the changes. The changes obviously too much, too fast. Yeah, I, I can imagine it's a bit like Doctor Who. Hmm. Oh, woman, Doctor Who? Are you kidding? Like, oh no! But maybe that's may- after like that's after fifty years for Pete's sake. So you can imagine that sort of change in Frankenar. It's a bit like woman. No, but you could see it in my. If it, or I don't how many of novels have been on Bat Ferengi, I don't know, but like in a future like Star Trek novel, Bat Ferengi or something like that. But yeah, it just I found that really interesting, just the whole roles of women in general, um, roles of Ferengi women, and just, you know, how that's changed. And you said, that episode, said Prophet Nights, just how they really just missed, they just really missed, that was a really big misstep and a missed opportunity. But You had someone right there. Yeah. But they were so busy with season six and trying to develop seven yeah. that I don't think anyone sat there and went... Well, actually, what if we bring this character back? It would be perfect. Or they this. did, or they just dismissed it yeah. as just kind of, oh, no, no one will remember her. Or... Yeah. But I think that would have been the most sensible list thing to do. And mm. I think it would have been quite cool if we could actually have a way of kind of quote then going, okay, I see for who you are now, for mm. who you genuinely are. Mm. Do you want to try again? Mm. So, yeah. That would have been interesting because I think they could have been a bit of a power couple of Quark and her like kind of, business 
deals that would have been unstoppable yeah and you've got to think as well in a way that's a kind of nice mirroring of his mother Ishka and Zek it would have been a nice kind of mirroring of that kind of similar kind of relationship that's just my idea but I just thought you know what because I was reading that and you just go sorry I think it's a fantastic idea I think that would have been one heck of an episode if they'd done it that way or at least something similar I think that's what we're going to be saying about six years time (laughs) <laughs> or seven, seven years time yeah, we yeah. It's, you know what I mean season six season review and watching that and going yeah why can't we have that but you know that's one of the times where because that's the thing we always say like, oh this thing we don't like it but I don't think we say enough of well, what would we do to improve it what would we actually change well in this instance I say we but more you we've come up with something so yeah, yeah, just uh, but yeah, I thought that just I just wanted to do a um, bit about that about said the role of Ferengi women. I just thought it was just it's a big part of their society, and I think it's important, just interesting. So, um, should we move on to you mentioned about makeup possibly as well? <laughs> should we just try and bang that on the head and try and bang out all those little bits yeah. of makeup? Yeah, because the thing about his notes is they've not done it badly. No, um, to be fair, Jamie, it's chronological. It is chronological. To be to be fair to them, so they didn't have any other way of doing it. Well, they could have just put ju- it in a section. Yeah, they could makeup. have done, but then that would have. <laughs> But I said, this, they I said this to Jamie, where it's a bit like, make sure you keep an eye on the makeup notes because they're here, they're in every. I made, I made a note of Fringy makeup one to however many. I think it was like eight or I nine. Think get, I think I got to about five. Really? I, was, I don't know. I thought it was more than that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot on Fringy makeup. So I think, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit about that next. Um, just need to find it. There we go, shuffling through our notes. Because um. are you including like the initial stuff and the changes? Uh, I think so, yeah. Whereas I probably didn't. Ah. I see, this is the other thing. So I know this is a bit of a kind of covered already, but just a, just as a side thing, as as I'm looking through, you know, he's saying about the history about there was no slavery and war was absent, was it? Or were records deleted or altered? As you said, you said to me that the one in power, they they they, as you say, they tell a story how they see fit. It's like the whole warp drive acquiring thing. Well, did he acquire it through legal means or did he steal it? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, I'm just saying with the whole thing of, as they mentioned, there's no slavery, there was no war. Was there or wasn't? Mm. No. Sorry, just a just a random thought. Anyway, yes, um, makeup. Oh, yeah, this was, yeah, this is what you're talking about. The Fringy managed to avoid many of the worst aspects of evolving culture and their social history was noticeable for the absence of atrocities such as slavery and genocide. Fringy culture slowly grew out of its early stages by introducing more remarkable economic system that developed from early bartering systems to become one of the most the, one of the leading cultures in, in silicon commerce yeah that was a bit i was looking for well that's the thing you think as well the way women were treated like restricting their freedoms i mean you know it, it's got a very i mean correct me if i'm wrong in saying this but i'm gonna say it um but in a way it's got a very um, a frightening echo of Nazi Germany 
So Hitler restricting the Jews, oh, they're not allowed to be out this time, they're not allowed to read, they're not allowed to do this. It's a similar kind of thing, that aspect of it, isn't it? Maybe. Yeah. Just saying the whole, you know, restricting restricting their rights, so they're not allowed to do this, they're not allowed to travel, that kind of thing. Just that part of it, I mean. Weren't you going to read the bit about fringy mothers? Was I? Hmm. Um... Odd thing that they were meant to read their children the rules of Oh yes, and there's something else as well that I forgot to bring up. Thank you, you just reminded me. Uh come on, because that's gonna take me forever. Um Right. <laughs> Sorry, we're not quite finished with the uh the <laughs> role of women yet. Um so um Oh yeah, mothers were expected to teach their children the rules of acquisition and as they themselves were not allowed to read meant they had to know the rules by heart. So that brought up the question of, well, if they're not allowed to read then how can they know the rules of acquisition? So my thought was that maybe their their husbands read the rules out to them aloud, maybe. Well, didn't you say it was something about... It's doctrine. You yeah. teach them those that and that's it only. Yeah. So, thanks for closing it, Jamie. That's helpful. That, that's not what you wanted me to do, is it? <laughs> oh, that was it. The other thing I wanted to quickly mention as well, with uh, the way Ferengi uh, men treated their women. So the other thing that I I was thinking was because obviously we mentioned biology, and it and earlier we were saying. It says in the notes, loads of the Ferengi male were larger than those of females. So I'm wondering if part of their, if part of the Ferengi male's misogynistic nature towards women and why they were not allowed to earn profit was because they had smaller ears. If you think of how much the Ferengi, you know, um, emphasise the lobes, like their lobes, their ears, like you have the lobes for business. So I'm wondering if there's a parallel there, maybe. We have an equivalent on Earth, but I can't say it. Yes, I know. <laughs> Do you think that's possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always thought it was similar. I yeah. think from I think what I'm, I was, yeah. I was trying to find where I was because Jamie lost it for yeah, me. Yeah, sorry guys. I know we said we were done with uh, there was a, uh, done with that section about. But yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely a thing because it's a bit like you're gonna because it's every other like ears are a thing in Star Trek as well. Like, you know, to poll in, like, Enterprise. Like, yeah, they're envious of our ears, and it's the same with the Ferengi. It's a bit like you can't avoid them, the Ferengi. Hmm. So, yeah, it's... I th- yeah, I think there is. It's a bit like, mine's bigger. You're going, all right, like, size of ship and all that sort of stuff, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is just our opinions and stuff. It doesn't mean we're right what we're saying, but it's just stuff that... I think you say that every episode we do. I know. Well, it's just that that thoughts come to my mind. What are we doing next? I've no idea what we do. Makeup. Uh, Well, the first one I've got for Ferengi makeup is... um, I was about to say the page number, but I don't think that helps. Um, the facial appearance of the Ferengi. That's which is. Yeah, found it. Got yeah. it. Got it. You got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think that's the first instance where it's mentioned. Yeah, I don't have it mentioned, but I have like... Because in my mind, that was production. And then when I actually got to real ones, when I started listing it. But yeah, I, I get it. Um, yeah, do you want me to read this, read a bit of it out? Sure. Um, the facial appearance of the Ferengi was designed by TNG senior illustrator Andrew Probert and refined and produced by makeup supervisor Michael Westmore. The latter individual considered the task as a considerably difficult challenge. The design was tried out in concept sketches in which Probert illustrated the species with massive ears and teeth similar to those of piranha. Um, at first, Gene Roddenberry advised that large, sharply pointed ears designed by Andrew Probert uh, look too much like oversized Vulcan deers and should seem more original. The Ferengi design, it, it went through a lot of modifications. It really did go through various modifications before they actually were happy with what they got. Um, the producers were also dissatisfied with the Ferengi having a long chin, which made them, which make them, in the producers' own words, look more like a witch than an alien. The nose was also to be more detailed. Um, so Michael Westway had to redesign the nose. Um, we took the drawings and eliminated the chin and we changed from a bat-like ear to a round ear. By rounding them off, we still got a big-eared effect. The ears retained an upsweep but were no longer pointed. Um, the makeup department next added sets of wrinkles across the Ferengi's large, bulbous noses. The addition of military tattoos representing allegiance to the Ferengi Alliance was the final touch in the initial makeup process. Yeah. Oh, so that's Ferengi makeup one. <laughs> oh, um, what's that? This bit here, although yeah, although the Ferengi aren't canonically uh, can referred to having as poor eyesight, Herman Zimmerman was of the opinion that it's still counted for their beady eyes and to compensate their large ears. That's yeah, thing from earlier, yeah. Wasn't well, it or something? Yeah, 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 no, no. That's from earlier. Well, I, I got mixed up when we were reading the biology notes of, do they have poor eyesight or is their eyesight good? And that contradiction of they got said one thing that gives them an advantage in biology, but another thing kind of restricts them. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, so I read those notes. Did you want to read another bit of Ferengi makeup? Um, it's so much, Jamie. Um, well, for ending my cup two, I've got um, <laughs> Michael Westmore made adjustments to the Ferengi teeth as the seasons of TNG were produced, having more time to experiment with the look of some of the alien characters in the series. Um, you found that bit, yeah. You found it. <laughs> I didn't read it all out, but I said ultimately I decided to create unique sets of teeth for each each of the actors. And this is for I think it's for peak performance. Yeah, I see, yeah, peak performance, yeah. So I just gotta adjust myself in my seat, be uncomfortable. Oh. Let's see, so um by the time the Ferengi were being readied and for appearances on the show, um, which one's that one about? Uh, I think end this. I think that's the price. I think 
Um, their makeup had undergone oh, yeah. considerable development since their introduction, involving heads, noses, cheeks, and double sets of teeth like piranhas. We keep we kept them pretty much the same, uh, Michael Westmore said. Um, in essence, though, DS9 allowed the species a chance to keep evolving conceptually. Viewers, as a result, started actually like Frangi. And I can attribute, I can actually um, attribute that to being, being one of them. Because I said, when TNG first started, when I, sorry, when I first started, when I first started watching it, I absolutely hated the Ferengi with a passion. DS9, I grew to really like them. I loved Quark and Rum, and you know, my opinion of the Ferengi changed considerably. So, is there any more stuff you want to read in that? Um, or do you actually want to start with the makeup, makeup? Because I, yeah, should we go for that? Get that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can go back to about the Ferengi and the attitudes and how. Says at the start, mm. where you're going. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to look where I am. Lost in a field of Ferengi notes, Jamie. But yeah. at the start of Deep Space Nine, the duration required for applying the Ferengi makeup was approximately three hours. Ferengi makeup, at some point in the series, took an hour to remove. Basically, consists of two prosthetic appliances. The first was a helmet-like headpiece, which stitched from the wearer's eyebrows over the head person's head to the back of his or her neck. The other appliance stretched from ear to ear, also covered the wearer's nose while it was being caref carefully laid on the actor's face. The makeup was glued down with a small brush. The makeup was then painted to match the complexion of the actor, the process which involved dabbing the skin and matching appliances. Painting the makeup pieces in uh, pieces in took roughly an hour of approximate, hour of the approximate three hours of total duration. The fringy hands were painted orange. Um, on Deep Space Nine, actors praying to Don Giant Fringy is often consulted Arm Shimon. They always came to Big Daddy, especially the ones that had never seen the show before. Sherman acknowledged. I tell them what the race is all about, what the constraints and the freedoms of the makeup are. You, you might notice, Jamie, you probably don't know this, Jamie is completely 100% lost at this point. Yes, I am. I've, I'm nodding along. It's interesting, but I've got no idea what <laughs> page you're bloody reading from. About three third from where we were. I think. Um, and the choice is oh, yeah. they have to make how to use their hands, their teeth. It's a bit of a learning process. Sorry, Jamie, I probably... It's, yeah, it's fun where you're not where you're thrown for six, but... <laughs> That's why we the note down what we've read so we know. Uh, Sherman also proclaimed, I've came to prototype... Um, oh, maybe I should read that. I came, became the prototype for all the Fringy that followed. Judith and Garth Reece Stevens wrote about Shimon. He has brought a depth to the Fringy, full the equal of the original series Vulcans. With Shimon's input, the new Fringy headpiece used in the Deep Space Nine had extra folds sculpted into them to keep the actor's ears from being crushed. Shimon himself found the makeup troubling. It was very difficult to wear the rubber head and the mask. It was uh, claustrophobic. It was hot. It was disorientating. One of the ironies is that the Fringy had such huge ears and the actors who played them were made deaf by the makeup. It was a little like having your hands over your ears while you talk. You could hear, but it was faint sound. On hot days, it was normally hot inside the makeup. It was very, very difficult. Is it worth reading that bit about full trained actors or do we just skip it? No, I can skip that. 
Um, oh, maybe next time, maybe we should deal with this 20th century humans thing. I think that's also quite interesting, but there's tons of it. Should we move on to the next makeup? Makeup one? Uh, yes. Um, is it when Wallace Shawn began portraying Grand Nagus? I haven't got that. I've got it much. Something different. If you want to do Wally Shawn, you can do something different. I'll find the next thing, um, makeup. No, it's fun. We'll go with that. It's fun. Because that's more of an individual thing, isn't it, really? So, but I can. Make up one. Make up one. Make up one. It took actor Peter. That one? Uh, I've got at, 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 about, at, about the same time as Fringy Business. There. Yeah, we definitely numbered these differently. How we saw what Fr what Frankie makeup was and wasn't. Where's your one? Family business. That's got to be. Where are you up to? Where's your one? I've no idea. What trap? Profit motive. Family business was that season three. What trap are you on about? Well, that was Wallace Shawn. Right. Wally Sean, I've got Wally Sean. Oh, that's that's Who's the other one. Uh, Fringy Five, uh, Doctor Rager, I think, might have been that one. It's, it's back, it talks about shortening the time and for how long the Fringy makeup took. That's why I went to family business. Yeah, we got very different definitions, haven't we, Jamie? We have indeed. You read yours out, and we'll figure this out yeah. somehow. I don't know. Um, we'll uh, we'll compromise. We'll compromise. Yeah. It took actor Peter Sluska three hours to get his, into his friendly makeup as Dr. Torrega each day of filming suspicions. By comparison, an incident in DS9 season one shortened the time to taken to apply Max Gronchek Ron, Ron, Max Gronchek's Ron makeup. <laughs> a mouthful. As the makeup artist had to hurry it, with two people working on Gronchek, the friendly makeup took only 51 minutes. I didn't count that because that's a special case. Yeah, maybe. But I still... It's, it's fun to get makeup, so... It's, it's fine, it's fine. I'll just read that bit. That's, that's, that's all we need to read. Um, right, let's try and find... I still have no idea where that was, but... Yeah. Family Business. The Ferengi won the mines. Is it that one? Oh, no, you do might well, for goodness sake. No, no, I'm not going to read it out. I just want to know what the sentence... The start of the sentence is, that's all. I'm going to let you read it. At the same time as Family Business was produced... Okay, well, I've got family business, but I think this is so different. Deep Space Nine makeup stuff managed to reduce the makeup duration from three to two and a half hours. The fact that many of the same makeup artists were being used for Frangie and that those workers had done a huge amount of makeup. Frangie and other regular Deep Space Nine alien races made less time a reduction possible. It's a bit further down. Uh. Yeah, I don't know where that is. I don't know where your thingy was. That's <laughs> not that much. It's fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. Ugh, take forever to find. Oh, Fringy and Atom resulted in their natural environment of Fringinar being established as chronically neighbor rainy. Robert Wolf had this feeling that given the way Fringy looked, the style of body, their big heads and ears, and this white is no hair, that they would live in a moist climate, explained Araber. 
The family business is allowed for more physical comedy between members of species, such as setting towels at the door for people uh, to dry the rain off themselves. What mess is that? Just above the weather bit, I read. <laughs> you just keep talking, I'm going to have to try and find this. Makeup 2. During Deep Space Nine Season 4, the friendly began taking two hours to apply rather than two and a half hours. This is what I mean, they scatter it here, there and everywhere. That's so my problem with it. They scatter it here, there and everywhere, so I can't flip in... And we've got different definitions of what we count as a sexual bat for any makeup. Which is why I'm completely and utterly lost, rifling through my pages like a, well, like a lost sheep. Right. 3A. By the end of Deep Space Nine Season 5, the fringy makeup took around an hour and a half hour to buy. It's just, you get this small sentence and it's like, there you go, we've done that bit. On to the next thing. It's all... And, You've got to bear in mind, if you go on Memory Alpha, when printed, no it comes out in full pages. On I this think, page, there's no pictures. I think later on we'll have to go through what you've re read out with, with regards to this. Well, I don't know where your thingy was. No, it's fine, not right. It's fine, because otherwise my mind, is, my mind is entering that stage of it's feeling like a sponge, which is never a good sign. When later season uh, season seven outing, it only, it's only a paper moon was used. Friendly makeup took three hours to play and now to remove. So for that, it went back up again. Which is Never interesting. Reason. Yeah. We're done with makeup. <laughs> All I'm saying is you'll be pleased when it's done because then we don't have to deal with it again. I'll be pleased when I can find out where the hell we what stuff you bloody read. We can look at my notes after. I will do. And I'll try and find your thingy. One thing as opposed to what five billion you've read out. Yeah. Three. Three. I think that's it for me. What for everything? For makeup. I'll we'll cross that off, right? So I'm just trying to think if there's anything else we want to talk about. Um An hour or two. I think yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. I think we're good. Do you want to leave it there? You're getting fussy, and it's never good when you're getting fussy. No, I'm just wondering if there's anything else you want to talk about, or do you think that's a good way to kind of... I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Because I was going to say, we've, we've talked... We've done to... a fair amount of an analysing. We've done... what we want to do. There's plenty more. I want to do the 20th century human -y thing next right. time. Because we've done about, obviously, the role of Ferengi women. We've done a bit of history, biology, and... Makeup. Yeah. I think that's not too shabby. I think that's pretty good, actually. It's, it's scratching the surface again. But uh, if we do any more, we're going to throw each other. Yeah. We're going, I don't know where those notes are. <laughs> oh, no. I'm making a note of actually what we've talked about, so... Y yeah, um... Yeah, we know for a fact we're doing part two next year. It's whether in amongst there we shove in another supplemental possibly again, Jeremy. What do you mean supplemental? Effectively a second, like we did last. Oh, Cardassians. Well, wasn't it Bajorans? I think we did Bajoran supplemental. It was Bajorans. I, I, but if correct. we do, we do effectively do three episodes, we yeah. do part two next year, which we've got in the schedule. 
But if we do a supplemental somewhere in there, yeah. maybe. I think that's a bad idea. Anyway, guys, we hope you enjoyed that bit of a chaotic here, there and everywhere kind of. Yeah, you're la- actually, you're one of your last simple episodes of this year. Because the next one is getting a bit more special. Don't you think? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because our next one is going to be... actually our 200th. Yes. I can't believe we've reached 200 episodes. It feels surreal. 200th celebratory episode spectacular. Yeah. Um, similar to what we did three years ago, but doubled. Yes. Um, did you want to mention about... About what? Oh, don't worry, don't worry. This thing I'm not allowed to know yet. I know it's no, been... it's not then, then. It's not then. Okay. Not there yet. We can... We're talking in riddles. Yes, we are. You'll find out soon enough. It's along with Jamie. Yeah, um, yeah, so we're doing that. Depending on how long they last, because there's quite a few interviews. My God, I've gone big, haven't I? That really is a big go big or go home. And I've gone big, haven't I? You have gone big. Um, it will probably be two parts. Yeah, two parts. Which will be Wednesday and Thursday, like we do with um, season reviews. Yeah. But it's all depending on how long they turned out to be, because I think it's worked out we're doing, what is it? Two interviews on one day. We're doing four interviews in total, aren't we, I yeah. think? Two in one day. There's one that probably that will probably be, although it needs to be confirmed, two days later, and there's one like another one like a week later. Not that they care. Not that, no. All they're going to get is a compilation, so they won't have all no. the hardship. Of, but, yeah, four quite interesting interviews, and it'd be, it's going to be interesting looking back over the last three years since we last did it, really, see how we've grown since then, really. Mm. Like... And the new faces that have come in as guests and friends and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be fun. And I've done it in such a way, I might as well admit it. That's why we've ended up with a few extras in there. That's why you end up with the Marvel set in there, because I needed to top up the numbers a little bit. Yeah. That that, that was mixed, as you can tell from their opinions well, on that. Well, the thing is, for us, it was a case of you didn't want to have it tip into the new year. Because getting guests on, I think, earlier in the year is difficult. Yeah. So I think that's kind of why you wanted to get it. Oh, well, it fell on this sort of time anyhow. As it did last time anyway, so it kind of makes sense anyway, wouldn't it? Um, And we ended up doing Iridians because uh, something Jamie was trying to do is going to happen, just kind of not not yet. yet, Yeah. Yeah. So we had to fall on one of our backups. backups. So it just fell on Iridians and it was a bit like, that fits with what we're doing at the moment. Might as well just go and do it. And it's probably one of the more interesting ones because there's not much to them, but they're quite no. an interesting little race there. We are. Same sort of aim where it's a bit like they're not much of anything, so they had to go into the information business. That's what I vaguely remember. Mm. Because that's the thing. We're going to do a few more backups and we have got some more species ones we do want to do, don't we? Yes. Um, a bit more said, a bit more speculative, like the Reuridians. There's not as much info on them, but... Yeah, one pages. I think we don't recall them, but they're like one page, and it's like, there you go, have fun with that. Mm. I think the one that we're looking at is like three pages. Tamarians. That's it, Tamarians, yeah. Notice the blank look on his face, and I'm going, what's he on about? <laughs> and it also occurred to me, you're probably going to get a backup eventually. I think we're also going to do Trouble with Edward. 
episode commentary. It's going to be an awful lot of fun. Chop on the Oh, yeah, the, uh, the DS9 short track, yeah. Yes. DS9? No, no, Discovery, Discovery, <laughs> Discovery. <laughs> you got Deep Space Nine on the phone. I know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, so lots for us to be getting on with that you won't know about, but yeah, we're but, but doing things, we have been doing things, and I've been sorting out the interviews for that. Next month is going to be very busy for us, very. And I've also been working on an episode with Clive. Yes. Because that's going to be cool, that's the beginning of December. That's fun, but oh. an awful lot of work. <laughs> an awful lot of work. But I think we're going, to, I reckon that might come up in... 200th yeah maybe with uh, Clive and Dan yeah we might we might mention a bit more about that then alright yeah um, that, that, that's it we've, that's it we've done it we've done part one yay I was got really confused good. got a bit confused brain like a sponge that's why that's why we will I think if, we, if we're at that point that's a good place to stop so so yeah lots of exciting things to listen to in the, in the next few weeks next few months and then we're back to square one with 2023 yes yeah I, I, I don't know I think that's that's yeah, it um, um, we hope you enjoy listening guys and yeah we'll see you back with our you know, <laughs> our 200 <laughs> so much work so yeah. much work you put yourself into this side yeah you love it really it'll be yeah. fun it'll be fun take care guys bye bye